I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, the end of an era for the Golden State Warriors, who are currently trying to win their fourth championship in five years. But while the team is playing in the NBA Finals, at this recording, they're down 2-1 to one to the Toronto Raptors. They're also preparing to move from their longtime home in Oakland to San Francisco. I'm joined by two of our all-star sports columnists, Ann Killian and Scott Osler. We'll talk about the Warriors' run, their upcoming move, and we'll discuss the Warriors' co-owner who got into trouble for pushing a Toronto Raptors player during the last game. All that after this. In studio today, Ann Killian and Scott Osler, two columnists taking a break from the NBA playoffs. As we speak, uh, we're on the eve of Game 4. The Raptors are up on the Warriors 2-1. to one. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for Woo! having us. We're happy to be here. I've got to ask you about the, uh, the viral story coming out of the last game. The Warriors uh, minority owner, Mark Stevens, taking a shot at a Toronto's Raptors player. Did you guys realize what was going on at the time? Uh, I think we realized that there was a fan interaction um, because Kyle came up from it really upset. You could see that. Then shortly after the game, we started to see the replays. But it wasn't until Thursday morning that we realized it was a minority owner of the Warriors, which kind of made the story <laughs> like a thousand times worse. And one thing that I deeply resent, there was one website, I'm not sure which one it was, uh, that came out with kind of a mini editorial saying that Warriors beat writers were really remiss in not reporting that that was a, one of the owners last night. And they basically said that uh, the reason that the, that was not reported is because the, the beat writers are trying to protect the guy. That they're <laughs> trying to protect their access. They don't also, know us. Which is complete <laughs> BS because if any of the guys had known that was a minority owner, they would have jumped on that story like June bugs or whatever. <laughs> whatever jumps on things uh, it was a, to think that we would avoid that anybody in our business would avoid a story like that because we want to cozy up to the owners very insulting but we uh, we did assume because when you're looking down at those fancy seats we assumed he was some kind of super rich tech um i won't use the word i usually use for those guys but you know um lame tech guy uh what an assumption to make rich uh, rich and entitled um <laughs> But yeah, you know, the, the Warriors, like most of the sports teams, have several owners. And so uh, even though there are principal owners that we all know by name and sight, um, most of the time, uh, we don't know these minority owners. And so, yeah, nobody knew who he was until we all had to do our due diligence and research who he was this morning. Yeah, and it wasn't legally felonious, but it was <laughs> feloniously stupid to the guy. It, but it's against NBA rules. I mean, there's a code of conduct for the fans as well as... Uh, the players and and it's I think it's even stated on the back of their ticket if they're sitting in those kind of seats that you know you can't you can't, you can't shove a player and tell him to go f himself. But this is America. Rude and crude behavior is is in. So just also it seemed to fit every stereotype that that people have about either the Bay Area or Silicon Valley or even <laughs> exactly. the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, were you were you sad to, <laughs> were you sad well, to see that? Are you feeling at all defensive for? I know that we're going to talk about their move to the Chase Center, and I think this is kind of like the old-time Warriors fans' worst nightmare is this kind of guy represents the the fan base to the world now. Next and, year, every courtside fan will be exactly like this guy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, there's there, it may turn out to be true with the cost of the tickets there, but but yeah, I mean, this whole 
um, the marriage between the Warriors and Silicon Valley and and kind of how the ticket prices have gone up, the volume in the in the arena has gone down, um, the the sense of entitlement that, of course, this team's going to just keep winning championships. I mean, it's all kind of wrapped up. It's one of the reasons a lot of outsiders really hate this team because that's kind of the image it presents, I think, nationally and, and globally. So the Warriors, uh, we don't know uh, what's going to happen this year, but the feeling around the season is that maybe it's the end of an era because of the move and also because of the impending free agency of some of the players. Are you guys feeling that way? Is this is this the end of an era? In some ways it is because uh, KD might be gone. Clay probably won't be gone. I don't think it's really the end of an era because they'll still be super strong next year. They'll have Curry. They'll probably, and they'll have Green, probably, unless they trade him. Um, so that it's not like they're going to fade out of sight, but uh, the era of expecting to see them in the finals and winning it every year, that's probably over. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, even this year is a little bit past their shelf life because I don't mean in terms of their talent, but um, teams don't get to the finals five years in a row. I mean, this hasn't been done since the Boston Celtics. And back then, you know, there were two rounds. I mean, there was nothing. Right. And and uh, so it's it's such a long haul. And these guys, you know, they're. They're not young anymore. A couple of them are in their prime. A couple of them are, are pushing that envelope of being maybe just past their prime. Um, a couple of them are definitely past their prime. Uh, and they've played in the last five years a full NBA season, a full extra NBA season with all their playoff games. And you can just feel around the team what a grind this is and what a meant physically exhausting, which we're seeing with the toll it's taking with injuries, but also just mentally exhausting to do this for a fifth year in a row. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I joke, it's mentally exhausting for me, for Scott, for all of us. I mean, we've been doing this since early April and it's, it's closing in on, you know, it's June 7th today. I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's a long time to be completely consumed in this very intense playoff run. But I, I'm definitely going to write tomorrow. I've been cleared by the medical staff of the Chronicle. I will I'm be not out sure there. about that. <laughs> yeah, so what, what, what's the feeling among fans? You guys obviously talked to a lot of fans that love Oracle, um, that have followed the team. Do they feel betrayed? Uh, do they feel something's changing with the move over to San Francisco? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think there's a certain segment of fans that feel betrayed um, a certain segment of fans that feel Oakland's going to be left behind. And and I get that. Um, but I also, you know, this team came to the Bay Area from as the, they were the San Francisco Warriors. Um, I don't really remember that, but that's what where they came. And I've lived here my whole life, and there's never been a cool arena in San Francisco where you can go see a show. you got to go to Oakland, and you got to go to San Jose. Um, and so... You know, Lakeup and Goober, from the second they bought the team, they made no bones about the fact that this was going to be their game plan. I mean, they had their introductory press conference at Epic Roast House down right underneath the Bay Bridge in San Francisco, you know, and, and it just, it, it was always clear that their plan was to build a great arena where they could make tons of money off other things and to bring the basketball team here. So while it's bittersweet, um, you know, I, it's not like the Raiders moving to Vegas. I mean, it, it really isn't. It's, I don't think it's even really like the 49ers moving to Santa Clara. I mean, it's for one thing, it's kind of them going back to their the, their designated original West Coast home. And 
it's also, uh, you know, it is, while it's a cultural, a huge cultural shift, it's what, 11 miles as the crow flies. And it's not like tickets are extremely accessible now to everyone wants to buy. That's true, but they're going to be really, really inaccessible now. The prices have gone. And and we saw this with the 49ers when they moved to their new stadium. Levi's, what, it's been seven, eight years now? But uh, the, the tickets were double, triple, quadruple what they were in the old stadium and priced a ton of the old fans out. So obviously now the, the house at Oracle is it's a high-priced ticket, and, uh, the t- and the fans there, uh, a lot of the old fans have already been priced out, but forget it in the new place. It's just going to be so, so different. I can't, I can't imagine the change. Um, I also wanted to ask you about the sort of general hatred of the Warriors, which is sometimes hard for um, fans here to imagine because Steph Curry is so cute and the lovable. team is so lovable. Um, but we, the Warriors seem to have taken the place of LeBron James as sort of like a focus of hatred in the league. Why do you think that exists? Is that just because uh, they've done so because well for they so win. long? Yeah. I mean, I think people like the underdog people. People hate teams that win all the time. You know, a lot of people hated the Lakers, um, you know, back when Scott covered them. Uh, Showtime Lakers. I personally hated the Boston Celtics that would beat the Showtime Lakers. I mean, people don't like teams yeah, that win a lot. hate the Patriots. Hate the Patriots. Um, there's also this weird element that shows up in my Twitter feed um, of uh, Trump people who really hate the Warriors because they're politically outspoken. Mm-hmm. So there's that element. Um and there's what the the one thing that I don't really get nationally. I get l- not liking the favorite, not liking the dominant team, rooting for the underdog. I don't get the antipathy for Steph Curry because there's a lot of people out there who really don't like him. And well, he look is, at him; he chews on his mouthpiece. Yeah. My God, he's <laughs> going to go to hell for that. You know, I have covered so many superstars, both here in the Bay Area and just dealing with them. He is by far the the nicest, most accessible st- superstar that I've ever dealt with. He's a great role model. He's a great community involved person. He's just like, like he's, he's humble. He's uh, accessible to the media. Like what is there to hate about him? I just don't get it. It's, it's probably cause he, the things that some people love about him, like little kids love about him because he is accessible. He doesn't have that diva NBA personality and I think some of his peers and some of maybe the media that covers the NBA, they don't get that. Like, He's not angry enough for one Yeah, thing. why aren't you being such a, you know, an idiot towards us? Or aren't you, you know, <laughs> preening around? He's just not like that. So that part to me is weird. I wonder if some of the, this perceived hate is, some, is maybe it's misinformed because supposedly there's studies in, in politics and stuff because we judge everything off what we read on Twitter and social media and everything. And I guess, from what I understand, the reality is that Twitter doesn't represent everybody. It don't what? represents a small, <laughs> that, and and That's the probably first a, I've heard of very that. much a minority of people. Uh, so if you judge it by Twitter, you're not really getting the whole picture. And we know, for instance, that if you go to Minneapolis or South Florida or wherever, and you go to a playground and there's ten or fifteen year old kids out there playing basketball, and you say, "Who's your favorite player? Who do you like to watch?" Ninety nine out of hundred are going to say Steph Curry. It, they kids love the guy and adults if they're thinking about it, love the guy and not only that but the style of this team is is a dream it's what everybody who watches sports wants to see they want to see excitement speed intelligence coolness teamwork and these guys have it all so i'm wondering if, if our perception that everybody hates the warriors is a little bit skewed 
I don't know. I, I <laughs> maybe not. If it if it's not, then shame on the rest of the world because I hate to sound like a big homer and stuff, but there's so much to like about this team from Steve Kerr to Steph Curry to even Draymond. Draymond has, has gone through this. Oh, Draymond's a dream. Meta- he's one of the greatest. Yeah, I can see uh, why people with? think he's a, yeah. I can oh, see, yeah. He he's he's podium gold. You know when he's up there at the at the press conference podium, it's like whatever you know. He he will give you something provocative, thoughtful. He, I mean, he's really, really smart. He's funny, um, and and he makes the team run the way it does. Yeah. I mean, that that you know, as we've seen, he pushes the pace. He makes them exciting. Um, the the combo of him and Steph together, love Clay, love KD, but it's those two guys that really make this team go. Yeah, and one thing that's compel- compelling to me about Draymond is this year he's undergone a self evaluation and a kind of a self makeover from the guy who has led the league and crying at officials and whining and and being kind of self-centered and saying whatever he wants to teammates and huddles and stuff like that punching people in the crotch yeah punching people in the crotch or yelling (laughs) at kd in the huddles uh, we didn't need you um he's gone from that to a guy who has backed off the refs understands his teammates and kd a lot better and really seems to to try to be evolving as a human and that and what's wrong with that right yeah. Well, that that reminds me, I wanted to ask you guys about just covering the team during the run. I mean, what has been are there things that stand out? I mean, how is this different? It must be. a. Is it a great run or is it is it um, are you getting a little tired of it? this run or this five year run? Yeah, this five year run for the Warriors. Is there anything it's, that really it, stands out in, in terms of being there every day? Um, I I think it's it's been a great run. I think. um I'm always blown away by how, I mean, we got them when they were, you know, they were little kids. They didn't have really any success. We started covering them and they, you know, Steve Kerr comes and they start having this success. They, the, the people within the organization really haven't changed. And that is Steve Kerr, that's Steph, that's Raymond Ritter, the PR guy who was trying to get us out there when they had 20 wins and, and still treats us exactly the same now Bob that Myers, they're Rick Welch. Yeah, they're all super um, smart. Uh, they get their role. They get that you know the media is part of the game. That that we all have our roles to play. They're accessible. They're really honest. Um, they they they're they're fantastic to work with. And I you know let's just pull a South Bay football team out of the you know air as an example <laughs> terrible San, to work san francisco with. football team <laughs> yeah san francisco south bay football team like during their little run of success which seems a million years ago now um just awful to work with very difficult to work with just acted like you know could not you know the media was just not really welcome to be a part of it part of that's the nfl and the nba they're two different completely different kinds of leagues but these guys have been great and it's really interesting to see them evolve, see them grow up, see them be young, be in their prime. Now they're getting to the, you know, the, the outer edge of their prime. See Steve evolve as a as a coach. It's it's been um it's if if I had a book in me, I'd write a book about it, but that seems exhausting <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, another thing is we 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 writers, our writer community across the country, we kind of gossip and trade information and help each other and stuff. For instance, if I'm going to go to Boston and write a story about a Boston athlete, I would find a Boston writer and say, okay, who, who on the team should I talk to? Who's the, who's the uh, kind of like spokesman for this team? Who, who would be accessible? Who give me good quotes and, and go deep with me. And, and they'd give me one or two names and stuff like that. If somebody comes out here 
and says, okay, I'm going to do something on the Warriors. Who's somebody good to talk to? I'll say, take your pick. It's just everybody, you know, from top to bottom, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's whoever you talk to last. People say, oh, Clay doesn't talk. He doesn't like the media. He's cool. You get Clay. He's great. He's great. That's always been my fear about sports writing is that I assume that if you go into the locker room, they're going to give you the take it one day at a time, give them 110 percent. Well, I mean, right. There's a little I mean, let's be honest, there's a little bit of that. But these guys, like I said, they've played six NBA full seasons in the course of five. I mean, they are and they're, you know, especially right now during the, the playoffs, you know, the media is every day. Steve, you know, both coaches will will laugh like, well. I don't have anything new to tell you. I mean, actually, unfortunately, Steve's had a lot new to tell us every day about injury updates. But, but, uh, and and we also, you know, people like Scott was saying, the other writers, they're like, oh, Steve Kerr, we get a Steve, you know, we get to cover <laughs> Steve Kerr, which is pretty exciting because some some coaches aren't that interesting. Like the first round, Steve Kerr and Doc Rivers at the podium every day. Yeah. That was great. Like those two guys are so smart. They're two of the best quotes in the business. So, you know, we get. That's the stuff that gets us excited. Forget the yeah. way the style of play on the floor. We're excited <laughs> right. about the quotes. Right. It's and a even, good podium. <laughs> and even now, the NBA is kind of freakish on this. Uh, freaky on this. Uh, Nick Nurse, coach of the Raptors, is you know we're Terrific. all getting to kind of know him through these daily press conferences and sometimes two a day. And he's a very charming, kind of giving guy in interviews, uh, very forthcoming and open and everything. Uh, like, NBA has got a lot of guys like that. It's 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 kind of weird. I guess it goes with the. Uh, the sport and the just, it's just the, the culture, the right. culture of the yeah. NBA is just so different than a lot of other sports leagues. It's just way more open. And um, and they seem to be doing well because of it there. Yeah, I think the, the it benefits them. I think the athletes are just more confident in themselves. They're more empowered um, than than definitely more than like the NFL. And, yeah. you know, it's for instance, you could and could probably speak to this better than I. But back in the day when. So when women were first becoming sports writers, for instance, were first becoming allowed in locker rooms and stuff like that. In baseball, the players were <laughs> Neanderthals. They're terrible. They're perverts. Uh, and football, famous kind yeah. of the same. In basketball, I don't remember that that happening. I remember basketball players being much more highly evolved. Right. And, and most of the women, um, those pioneer women, liked covering the NBA because of that. I mean, they... Uh, I remember talking to people who ended up being kind of my mentors and they and they said uh, that, um, you know, the NBA was always, I don't know, just open like they got it. Like they were like, of course, of course you can talk to us. Like whereas um, other athletes in other sports were not that way. All right. Before I let you go, uh, you got to give me a prediction. I don't know. The Warriors <laughs> are down two to one. Uh, definitely. Uh, Still a lot of injuries, but getting Clay Thompson back, what do you guys see happening? I've been thinking that the Warriors were going to win it in um, six, uh, but that might just be my romantic side talking about closing out Oracle with a championship. Um, I, I I think if I'm making the prediction today, I still would say the Warriors win it, but I say it's going to go seven, which means another trip to Toronto. Two more <laughs> trips to Toronto. Oh, poor you. Which are they're little one day trips. So you go through customs <laughs> about 12 times. And, and there's only like a thousand people in the customs line every time. Listen oh to God. us whine. Oh, it's terrible. Well, Our lives are terrible. At least we're not going to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> but I would second Ann on that. I, if I had to pick, I'd say Warriors. I don't know what the odds makers say, but I'd say Warriors in seven. And so much depends on, I'd say, especially Clay coming back. If, if Clay Thompson comes back to 80 or 90% of himself, especially defensively, then. Yeah, Warriors in seven. If he's compromised and gets hurt again, 
not so much. And also so many variables. If KD comes comes back, it'll be a huge difference. But overall, let's say W's and seven. W's, did I call them that? Whatever. But Toronto's a really great team. And, and that's been kind of a revelation because, you know, we don't get to see that much of them here. And uh, and I wasn't sure what kind of a matchup it would be. And they're, it's a very entertaining matchup. And, and um, I mean, I kind of wrote about this. It's they're, they're a hard team to dislike. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of Warriors fans who have figured out a way to really dislike <laughs> them. And most of it probably has to do with Drake. But but um, they're they're also a very savvy, smart, um, interesting group of, of players that, uh, you know, are, are not overwhelmed by the moment, which is kind of cool to see. Well, thanks. Judging from the sound over there, it sounds like you have a train to catch, uh, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I bring my own sound effects. <laughs> So, hey, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, and um, and hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you to sports columnists Ann Killian and Scott Osler for joining me. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.